Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. A behind-the-scenes look at the White Sox as they prepare for the 2021 baseball season. Brought to you by Wintrust Bank, Mazda of Orland Park on ESPN 1000. Chicago's new home of the White Sox. Welcome into White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. We are five weeks, five, count them, until the start of spring training against the Milwaukee Brewers. That's slated for February 27th. 2021 welcome into the show love having you appreciate it i want to let you know right off the top that we uh today's show is going to be a little bit different uh than we usually schedule and kind of block out our white Sox weekly shows and there is a very specific and very poignant reason for that uh baseball lost a hero yesterday in the passing of hank aaron he was 86 years old um, hero does not begin to do him justice uh, in either regards to his career or his post-playing career and what he did for um, young children who were looking to play baseball, who were looking to be a part of Hank Aaron's Chasing the Dream Foundation, who were in situations like Hank was when he was growing up kids that he was looking to get into better situations uh so we're going to talk a lot uh, about hank aaron um throughout the show this morning jim tomey the hall of famer is going to join us at 9 30 uh jim had a i was just reading around on twitter as as the baseball world was reacting to the passing of hank aaron and i i came across a story from jason stark and it related uh, a meeting that that jim and hank had in 2019 so i thought oh goodness this is you know, I'd, I'd love to talk to Jim about about hitting, about Hank, about his legacy, about uh, that meeting in 2019. So we'll do that with Jim Tomei at 9.30. We'll also, um, Jason Benetti, who's the television voice of the White Sox, had a conversation with Frank Thomas yesterday. And we have some of the audio from that. Frank, who, you know, obviously grew up, as as many did in, in his area and where Frank was from, um, looking up to Hank Aaron as something maybe almost more than human um, we've got some of that. We'll play that for you before 930, before we talk to Jim Tomei as well. But I also wanted to do this with you. We're going to talk about the latest news in baseball. We're going to talk about uh, where the White Sox as a roster kind of sit right now. We're going to talk about some of the players that have gone other places. We're going to talk about some of the things that other teams in the division, specifically the Twins, have done to try and catch up with the offseason that the White Sox have had. But I also want to open the show in a, in a different way this morning. To you, to White Sox fans, to baseball fans. 312-332-3776 is the phone number. I have a whole host of Hank Aaron facts that I want to relate throughout the morning. Um, Crazy things about his career, his stats, his accomplishments, his legacy, all this kind of stuff that, that I think will hopefully... You know, make you smile whether you saw Hank Aaron play or whether you did not. Um, and I want to share them with you. And I would imagine that if you're sitting here at 9.03, 9.04 on a Saturday morning listening to White Sox Weekly, that you have been in and around baseball Twitter over the last 24 hours, that you've been clicking around on Hank Aaron's baseball reference page 
with your mouth open, not really comprehending the excellence and brilliance that Hank embodied throughout his major league career. All that I, I want to hear from you. I want Hank facts from you as well. If you've got one or two that you've vetted and make sure you've done the math on, I'd love to hear it. 312-332-3776. Of course, we're going to talk about the latest things going on around the White Sox as well. Here was a, a cool thing before we get into a, a, a lot of conversation about Hank Aaron. A cool thing that I saw over the week, uh, and, and you may have heard Tim Anderson, White Sox shortstop, on with Waddle and Sylvie on Thursday. Tim is the cover athlete for RBI Baseball 2021. That's pretty cool to me. I mean, there's a handful of baseball games in and around. RBI is, uh, you know, the show. There's uh, a bunch of, like, uh, tap baseball games that are, believe me, really popular in clubhouses. I mean, you walk around and whether it's uh, I, I, at one point a couple of years ago, I saw, like, the entire White Sox bullpen all sitting down in front of their lockers playing. I think it was, I think it's called tapped baseball where you just, you know, you tap on the phone to swing or whatever. And they're all, you know, playing against each other and competing and stuff. I guess it got pretty competitive. But Tim is the cover athlete for RBI 2021. He's the first White Sox player to be a cover athlete for a video game. That's pretty cool, whether you're into video games or not. And I, I started thinking about what that kind of means for you know, the White Sox and their its, rather, the organization's kind of presence on the Major League stage. Obviously, Tim is one of the brightest stars in Major League Baseball. There are a whole host of reasons for that, not the least of which is he is a pretty fun guy. Plays the game with a flair. The bat flips are awesome. All that kind of stuff. He's, he's a darn good player, too. I also think that, you know, when you hit the cover like that, you start looking back, you know, through the career, or at least I do, start looking back through the career, what changed, what's different, what's the same, all that kind of stuff. I, I think Tim's story of, of coming into his own as a, as a hitter is pretty impressive. I mean, it was clear when he got on the big league stage that the guy had a quick bat, that the guy had a whole lot of baseball talent, that he's very athletic, all that kind of stuff. But he was looking for fastballs. And it's a testament to just how smart a, a hitter Tim Anderson is that now when you look at what he was able to do, I'm thinking, you know, specifically of like the last three weeks of last season where he's just hunting breaking balls that, that pitchers were foolish enough to throw him on the inner third and being able to just keep that bat in the zone so long and dump things out to right field for singles and doubles in a lot of instances. He is the kind of the kind of smart that understands his own swing, how to manipulate that particular swing and change it some. And not every player gets to that level of comfortability with their own, of comfort rather, with their own swing. Tim has and he hits for power while he's doing it. It's it's pretty impressive and I just think kind of a cool tip of the hat to White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson to make the cover of, of RBI baseball the way he did. Uh, I'll be playing the game, and while I do, I don't know. I haven't played RBI in like two years. I imagine they still have the same theme song, or at least somewhere it's in it. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's this one. You know, if you're old, like, like me, that's the song. Everybody knows RBI baseball, right? And there is also, just if we're doing an RBI baseball minute real quick, I don't know if you've seen on YouTube, and maybe for the young ones out there, you haven't. You know the, the Buckner game, right? Oh, yeah. In mm -hmm. the ball oh, yeah. is by Buckner. Mookie Wilson comes around. The whole thing. 
there if you go online you can find somebody has reenacted that entire inning not just the at bat the entire inning on RBI baseball and has overlaid the Vin Scully call on it and everything it's it's hilarious it's absolutely fantastic um like I mentioned to start the show, we're going to do things just a little bit differently here. And Jim Tomey is going to join us at 930. We're going to talk about his um, his conversation as as best we can, his memories of, of Hank Aaron having been uh, with him at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony in 2019, uh, among some other places. We're going to talk about hitting and, and what Hank was so great at doing. Obviously, what Jim was very good at doing as well. What your Hank Aaron memories, too? Give us a call. Let us know. I, I also want to talk a little bit quickly here um, about some of the news going around in Major League Baseball. Obviously, there have been some big signings over the last, what do you want to call it, week, week and a half. Uh, the Blue Jays have signed George Springer to a six-year $150, $150 million deal. If it was 150 they got a heck of a steal. Michael Brantley's back with the Astros on a two-year $32 million deal. Jason Castro has signed with the Astros. I misplaced the money there. I apologize. Enrique Hernandez just signed with the Red Sox, two years, $14 million. I'm going to get to the Twins because they've made a couple of transactions and have a couple of uh, rumors around them too. But I mentioned those players specifically because less so on last week's show and more so on the show a handful of weeks ago when I was just kind of sitting in. We, you and I, White Sox fans, and I kind of talked a bit about George Springer and obviously the potential of the White Sox going, you know, for the, yeah, the, the best free agent hitter out there on the market, fitting into right field, a place where, you know, they, they could probably use another outfielder. I talked about it last week. There are, at least to, in my estimation, um, something like 400 at bats that you could hand to a free agent if you wanted to sign him. Obviously, Rick Hahn has talked quite a bit about how if this team, as it's currently constructed, is his team, then he's cool with it. He used the Hoosiers reference, right? My team's on the field. And I think, I think that's, you know, that works. I think it works to win a division for sure. I think keeping around the, you know, hit me with it if you want, but keeping around the kind of financial flexibility that so many teams talk about over and over again it, it does matter to a, to a point. I mean, it, it truly can be used. I don't know if the White Sox necessarily have something in the pipeline that, you know, they can spend their money on. There are, if you look up and down the roster, a couple of ball players who, you know, are probably could you know, they could have extensions done, perhaps. I'm not reporting anything here. I'm just saying, you know, about this time, the last few off seasons is about when we've been talking about the White Sox offering contract extensions to guys like Yohan Moncada and Luis Robert, Tim Anderson to a certain degree, although I think that was a little bit later in the year if you want to check the calendar on that one. Still, I'm just, there is also a trade deadline that's going to come up, you know, at some point this next season. I Honestly, Major League Baseball has a couple of things left on the checklist to accomplish before uh, before the season starts. You know, things like deciding whether or not the DH is in both leagues. Uh, things like how many playoff teams there are. Things like how many roster spots teams will have. Um, things like when the trade deadline is, I think. We all, we seem to think we know where things are going. But personally, as, as we're going to talk about it over the next five weeks leading up to the, the first day of spring training, five weeks from now against Milwaukee, I, remember that they added playoff, that baseball added playoff teams as the first game of the evening, as the first game of the year was going on last year. 
that's okay. We live in a completely unprecedented era where things sometimes need to change in that way in order to adapt to the pandemic that, that continues here. So, you know, I'm not taking shots necessarily. I'm just saying that there are a lot of things that need to be kind of, I don't know, considered some before we write some of that stuff, we chisel some of that stuff down into stone. Want to know your uh, Hank Aaron stories here too, because that's a big focus of the show this morning here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, Major League Baseball mourns the passing of a hero and legend in Hank Aaron yesterday. Head out to the phone lines. It's uh, Jim in Antioch on White Sox Weekly. What's up, Jim? Hi. Uh, yeah, I was at Hank Aaron's uh, Holtzman's no hitter where the wind blew Hank Aaron's ball back. Oh wow! But one of these times, one of the days that the Braves were playing the Cubs, Satchel Paige was warming up a catcher in the bullpen, probably seventy-five-year-old bullpen coach or something. So I saw Satchel pitch, not in a game, but I saw him pitch to a catcher at Wrigley. And it was pretty darn cool. All right, Jim, I appreciate it, man. Kind of a dual action Hank Aaron and Satchel Page fact. I like it. That works. There's, um, there's a couple of things I want to get to here before we hit the break, and then we're uh, going to talk with Jim Tomey at 930. You'll hear from Frank Thomas in the next segment as well. I, I haven't read Hank Aaron's memoir, I Had a Hammer. I've skimmed it quite a bit in the last 24 hours, though. One of the quotes that really popped out to me was when he said this. He said, I concentrated on the pitchers. I didn't stay up nights worrying about my weight distribution or the location of my hands or the turn of my hips. I stayed up thinking about the pitcher I was going to face the next day. I used, I used to play every pitcher in my mind before I went to the ballpark. I thought that was pretty cool. And it also, it also kind of ties together with this. You're going to hear, this is from the 90s. You're going to hear Bob Gibson and Sandy Koufax, two absolute horses from Hank Aaron's era, talking about how they tried to face Hank Aaron. I threw the ball pretty hard, and if I threw a ball inside him, I couldn't get it by him. You just could not get it by him. He was just that quick. For me, he was the toughest out. Everybody else, I had a plan. Henry, I just never, never figured out what I was going to do. Two of the best in the business had no idea what to do with Hank Aaron. You'll hear from Frank Thomas remembering a baseball legend when we come back. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports is the new home, the new home of the White Sox. White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. We're up until 10 o'clock this morning. Only five weeks until spring training begins. White Sox and Brewers scheduled for the, gosh, what is that, the 27th of February. Yeah, five Saturdays from now. Jim Tomey's going to come on the show in about 10 minutes. We'll talk about his uh, meetings with and memories of and, and kind of understanding of the late and great Hank Aaron. Frank Thomas and Jason Benetti, White Sox television voice, sat down and, and had a little chat yesterday and, and talked about Frank's memories of and, and kind of relation to Hank Aaron. I want to bring you some of that now before we, uh, before we talk to Jim. I, I, think, I think what's, 
What's important to note, as I understand it, in, in just you know a handful of years of, of covering baseball and being in some clubhouses and whatnot, I've, I've never been in a clubhouse when Hank Aaron entered. But I've talked with those who have, and what was impressed upon me, and, and I mean truly, I, I can't, I can't relate the bigness, the import of this when it happened as, I mean, it, it's truly something else. Hank Aaron enters a clubhouse, things are silent. You, Hank is here. This is what is happening now. And I think he had that effect on a lot of people later on in his life. I know through his own writings and his own memories that he wishes that kind of feeling or at least that kind of respect was paid while he was playing. It was not. Not by all, that's for sure. So Jason Benetti and Frank Thomas talked a bit yesterday uh, about what Hank meant to Frank and to the black community. Here's Frank. Well, it started with Jackie. And just like you said, you heard from Hank that uh, he idolized Jackie to go through all that. But besides Jackie, no one went through that but Hank Aaron. You know, the death threats and you better not show up tomorrow or we're going to kill you. Or You know, he went through that and he just... He never snapped. He always held it with dignity and a big smile. He was alert about it. But, uh, man, to do what he did and break that record under those circumstances, I mean, my, my hat will always be, be in, uh, off to him and Jackie Robinson, what they did for the game of baseball for the African-American player. Jason also asked Frank about his specific memories of Hank Aaron. And I felt that in myself when I was younger, like five years old. Um, I, I kind of felt the significance because my parents, my uncles, they were all like sport people. And, you know, on the weekends, that's all we did was sports. We watched sports together. And I remember in 74, I was a baby, almost six, and they went crazy when Hank Aaron broke the home run record. And that's when I was really aware of who Hank Aaron was. It was like tears of joy. Like, their savior had happened because he meant so much to the state of Georgia and the African-American community. It was like he was a rock star among rock stars. You know, the break the record he did of Babe Ruth uh, with humility, very humble person, uh, just a class act, man. I mean, he was in a lot of duress and stress, but uh, never never stopped smiling, always said the right things, and always just just did all the right things. And it was an easy person to idolize. And uh, to this day, I idolize him as, a, as an adult because, um, you know, he meant so much to my, my family, my community, the state of Georgia. So it was Hank Aaron, just like Michael Jordan did the city of Chicago. I mean, that's the effect Hank Aaron had in, in, in my, my, my early years growing up. Because I remember as a five-year-old how he touched my family, my whole state, the whole community. I mean, it was Hank Aaron Day. It was Hank Aaron everything. Hank Aaron Parade. It was it was unbelievable. And that that's something as a kid, when you remember that type of thing, it sticks with you the rest of your life. I um, I'm just grateful that I got to meet him and, and meet him multiple times. I had conversations with him, and uh, I just remember uh, last time I saw him, we were at the Hall of Fame. Actually, that wasn't the last time I saw him, but the last time I saw him at the Hall of Fame I had my whole family with me, and we were able to take pictures and my kids. 
well around him and I and and they knew what he meant to me. So they had the biggest smiles on their face and he's such so such a great man with kids. But uh just a just a great person. I was just really stunned this morning because I just saw him on TV a few weeks ago and he looked great. Um just you just never know when something like this happens. It's unreal. What did you talk about with him when you did talk to him? Um baseball. We love baseball, hitting, you know, using the whole field. I mean, that's why I use the whole field so much. Growing up, like my dad said, I'll be honest with you. The funniest thing I want to tell you is I won a 1993 MVP, and my father was no longer with me, was the biggest Hank Aaron fan. He said, son, you're, you're playing really well, but you're still not Hank Aaron. And that, that will stick with you the rest of your life. And I looked at him and said, you're right. I'm not. You know, he's the greatest to ever do it. I, I only wish my career could be as, as big as Hank Aaron. And uh, he was one of those, those generation heroes that I strive to be like a Hank Aaron. White Sox Hall of Famer Frank Thomas speaking with Jason Benetti yesterday on the passing of Hank Aaron. I think what impressed me most there is if if you ever met Hank Aaron, you never forgot it. That's first and foremost. The meaning, the the connection that Frank had to Hank was important. And I, you know, in, in getting ready for the show, I was going back through, you know, as much old tape as I could find. And, you know, obviously I, I watched 715, home run 715, but also I watched 714. 714 was a sinker on the outer third to Hank Aaron, and he pulled it to left center field. Anybody else, you know, White Sox fans who, I don't know, might have been somewhat famous for hitting home runs, maybe on the outer third and then ripping them around to the pole side? Frank Thomas, anybody? It was just kind of cool to watch, and, and as I was listening to Frank and Jason talk some, it, it, it kind of popped into my mind. We're going to break a little earlier than normal right now, and that's because we're going to go from one Hall of Famer, Frank Thomas, to another Hall of Famer in Jim Tomey. Jim's going to join us next. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss something, podcasts are available on the new ESPN Chicago app. White Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. 312-332-3776 is the phone number. We're looking for your memories of Hank Aaron, your Hank facts, as it were. We're going to talk a lot about him in the final segment of the show. Right now, though, we hand the microphone over to Hall of Famer Jim Tomey to talk a little bit about a baseball hero, a legend, really an an American hero in, in Henry Aaron. Jim, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate you hopping on White Sox Weekly. How are you, sir? Thanks, Connor. Appreciate you having me. It's a very sad day yesterday. You know, the the man that Hank was and getting an opportunity to meet him. And uh, it was just an honor. And, you know, just, just kind of hearing everyone, like, make comments about Hank. What a good man. What a, obviously, what an incredible baseball player he was. But I think even what really stands out is what a, what a tremendous human being he was and just what he meant to, you know, I mean, everyday life in our, our country, you know, it's, it's great to, 
it's great to hear all the great stories about him. Well, Jim, you've, you've got a pretty impressive one, I think, um, or a meaningful one anyway. I was scrolling around Twitter, and, and Jason Stark wrote that at induction weekend 2019, I, Jason, was sitting next to Jim Tomey before the ceremony when Tim Mead of the Hall of Fame approached you and said, we'd like you to help Hank Aaron onto the stage today and sit yeah. next to him during the ceremony. I wonder if you can tell me about that day and, and, and what happened and what you guys talked about. Well, I cried. I'll be honest. I cried. It was a dream come true. Think about it. Uh, the dream of getting inducted the year before and then the year after having the Hall of Fame. So they always tell you who you're in front, who's, you know, who's in front of you, who's after you, you know, just so when they introduce you, you walk out to your seat and they told me, that I had the honor of escorting Hank to his seat. And I just, I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was the greatest thrill of my life, really. I had to step away, and I'm getting emotional because it's, it was such an amazing uh, just experience to be able to walk the home run king out to his seat and, you know, to be able to sit next to him and have that, just have that experience you know and there's so many stories that you hear about when hank would walk in a room and and people would just stop and just just watch him you know and you know then then the best part of of mr aaron was when then he would speak you you he was so kind he was so humble he was so loving to everyone around him it it, it 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 just it, it made him even higher than really everyone put him on this pedestal, and I just it was such a, an incredible experience. I I feel honored that they would come to me and ask me to walk him out, and I remember saying to myself, "Please just go slow," <laughs> and uh, you know, and and just just kind of enjoy the moment but the 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 ovation that he got that day from the crowd was just incredible it was it was something that truly i'll never forget i've got the picture in my office of us walking out on the stage and i just it was uh it was a very sad day yesterday a very emotional it's been an emotional year in general you know everything that we've gone through and then you see, you you see all the hall of famers that have passed and it's you know it's uh it's been a very tough year for our fraternity yeah it it certainly has jim there's i think it's 10 hall of famers who we've lost over the last little bit here um a real large number obviously and we're talking about the hall of famer jim Tomey here on white Sox weekly i i wonder you know when when you look at hank aaron's career obviously you know the numbers speak for themselves um his reputation, his career after the game speaks for itself. One thing that he talked about quite a bit, though, was the, and I don't know another another word to use, but the trauma that he endured in the offseason yeah. between 1973 and 1974 when he would then eclipse Babe Ruth on the all-time home run yeah. list. As a ball player, I, I know that you've been through tough things in life and then had to go to the ballpark to work. I don't know that anyone can some but not many can truly imagine what Hank was going through in that offseason in particular. No, no, I don't think any of us can really truly understand uh what he went through from a from a personal level dealing with that every day the hate mail, the death threats, uh 
you know, it was, it's really sad to hear that, that that happened. And, you know, the, I mean, perseverance, what he overcame and it, it, and then to stay kind and humble as he did throughout his career and want to help people and make people better. And the, the lives that he touched out, you know, in the game, outside of the game, you know, it's a true, he, he's, he is a true American hero. I will tell you that. And it's, it's anyone that has had the opportunity to meet him. You've heard nothing but kind and wonderful things said about a man that was, was a, not only an iconic baseball player, but an iconic man in, in our history. And, uh, I, I can't even imagine it's, uh, you know, it's just really, it's really sad to hear all those things that he went through, but also, you know, the man that he was to overcome all of that and, uh, and get through it is, uh, is something to be said. Jim, I've been uh, clicking around the baseball reference page quite a bit in the last 24 hours, and Hank Aaron's page is, I mean, it's just jaw-dropping. It truly is. So then I went over to the Jim Tomei page, you know, Hall of Famer, and I was looking around, and what would you call, I, I think, just looking at the numbers, if you look at like the 95 to 2007 season, the 2000, even the 2008 season for you, that would, that's kind of like the bulk of your peak, right? Am I, am I being fair sure. in that? I think I I would without looking at it I would say that's probably accurate yeah so if I'm doing the math right your that 10 year span for you being Hank Aaron would be like you doing that and then doing it again yeah and that broke my brain it's it's incredible when you pull the numbers up the total bases I mean I I jotted it down this morning. I mean, you know, he's got 2,297 RBIs. I mean, he's got 32, you know, basically almost 30, 3,200 games played. I mean, you know, the total bases are completely off the charts, 6,800, you know, 6,856 actually. But it, you run through his numbers – you know, and I'm if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, he won one MVP, correct? Yes. Is that what he he won one MVP, and that's to do what he did over the bulk of his career and be so consistent. But I, I think also, Connor, you look at his demeanor. He was very quiet. He he just went out. He was your he was your blue collar like guy every day that showed up. I just want to work. I'll keep my mouth shut. And I think that's why he gets the respect, not only for what he did, for the man as well. And he just, he was teammate first. You know, he thought about his teammates during all those, you know, hard times that he went through. He made comments that I just, he felt bad for his teammates. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a good man. That is a, that's what you want represented on your baseball team and in life as a man. And that's, that's what puts him, I think, so far above, uh, you know, anyone that's played this game because of, because of the person that he was. And then you look at the stats as well. When, when guys who really know hitting like yourself talk about Hank and his swing, his wrists, yes. the, the quickness there is, is one of the things that get mentioned almost quickest. 
what does that truly mean for those of us who, who you know flamed out in Babe Ruth ball? What does that truly mean to to have those quick wrists to be that kind of Hank Aaron swing? It's it's a gift, you know. Uh, it's interesting because yesterday they were showing highlights of Hank. Okay, and and we were my was with my son, my thirteen year old son, and he's he's into baseball and you know, there would be a swing, and we talk about the swing right now, him and I. And I've always tried to talk about down and through, you know, level and through. And then you you see the highlights, and you go back and you slow-mo. And if you look at the highlights, Hank Aaron's swing, as the bat is coming through the zone, okay? Think about this, Connor. He's coming down, and then his head on contact goes down as well. If Hank would have swung upward Mm -hmm. and had a lift to his swing, his head would have never followed where he eventually did. And that's what what impressed me. If you look at all the swings of the base hits, obviously the ton of home runs. Everything mechanically with Hank was correct the way you want to teach hitting. You know, he, he was a scissor kick guy which means his back foot slid out a little bit. But I, I was more impressed at how he approached the baseball on a level part of his swing, and then obviously the, the, the launch or the lift came at the end of his swing. But what a beautiful pure hitter. I mean, the wrists were strong. He would let fastballs get on the plate. And it was interesting because I heard Tom Verducci say this yesterday on the network. He actually looked breaking ball, and his wrists were so quick, the ball could get on him, and he still had the genes and the, the God-given ability to get the fastball off of him. That's which insane. Was, which was incredible. You know, I, I will say I've looked breaking ball and have hit the fastball, but I never really stayed on the breaking ball as much as apparently he did in his career, and that's that was a that was great to hear because it, it showed just how strong, how genetically gifted he was with his swing. Jim, I really appreciate you taking some time out this morning. Um, thank you so much, and uh, condolences. I know the baseball fraternity feels this. Thank you in a way that um, so the many don't. Thanks, Connor. We'll, we'll see you in spring training. Have a have a great rest of the month. You got it, Jim. Take care. It's the Hall of Famer, Jim Tomey, joining us here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, you know, he told the story that in the 2019, at the 2019 induction ceremony, he was asked to help Hank Aaron up onto the stage and sit next to him. Said it was one of the highlights of his life. And I get that. That makes a lot of sense to me. We're talking a lot about Hank Aaron here on the show because as you, you know, I mean, you could hear it. There's emotion attached, I think, to every ball player now with the passing of Hank Aaron yesterday. I've, I've tried to read as much as I could about Hank, about his life, um, about what he meant to those close to him, about what he meant to the children he helped out in his uh, post-playing career. And I was reading this. It was in the obit of, of Hank's in the New York Times. And I'll just read it as it's written there. I've got a little piece of audio here that I want to play for you as well. Uh, and then we're going to do a lot of Hank Aaron facts in the final segment of the show. I want yours as well. If you want to, you got a Hank Aaron story, you got a Hank Aaron fact. Next segment's the time for you. This is from the New York Times. 
As the 20th anniversary of Hank's home run feat approached in the early 1990s, he told sports columnist William C. Roden of the New York Times, April 8th, 1974, really led up to turning me off on baseball. It really made me see for the first time a clear picture of what this country is about, Hank said. My kids had to live like they were in prison because of kidnap threats. And I had to live like a pig in a slaughter camp. I had to duck. I had to go out the back door of ballparks. I had to have a police escort with me all the time. I was getting threatening letters every single day. All of these things have put a bad taste in my mouth and it won't go away. They carved a piece of my heart away. It's Hank Aaron from about 1994. I'll play this for you as well. Terrence Moore is a legendary Atlanta sports broadcaster. He's the first voice you're going to hear here. This is an interview from a little bit later on, late 90s, with Hank Aaron. You know, leading up to April 8th, 1974, when you broke Babe Ruth's record. And it's just amazing to me how you were able to hit a baseball consistently with all that stuff whirling around you, mm-hmm. with the hate mail and the, and the evilness just that you experience all the time. How did you mentally, physically, and spiritually get yourself ready every game to go out there and play despite all that stuff that's around you? In spite of all of the things that I went through, and you mentioned some of them, um, I've always been able to separate the two. I always felt like once I got my once once I put the uniform on and once I got on the playing field that I could separate the two from saying an evil letter I got the day before or even twenty minutes before that I could also concentrate on what I had to do as far as trying to watch a fastball or somebody throwing a ball ninety miles an hour rather than worrying about a letter that somebody sent. But do you ever wonder sometime how much or how much how, what you would have done without all that stuff? Could you hit like 900 home runs instead of the 755? That, that, that is one thing I often think about. I, you know, nobody ever asks the question. If I had had the means, if somebody had said, oh, Hank, come on, you know, let's go out and have dinner tonight rather than worrying about yeah. slipping out of the back doors of ballparks or staying in a hotel that uh, your ball players or your teammates were not there. Uh, I don't know what I would have done. It's Hank Aaron with Terrence Moore, Atlanta sports broadcaster back in the late 90s. This is White Sox Weekly. When we come back, some more Hank Aaron facts. 312-332-3776. Want yours, want your stories as well. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. Chicago's home for sports is the new home of the White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. A behind-the-scenes look at the White Sox as they prepare for the 2021 baseball season. Hey, Chicago, the White Sox are back. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. Truly a different feel in baseball. The passing of Hank Aaron yesterday is what we just heard from Jim Tomey. It is emotional for that fraternity. It is certainly emotional for baseball fans, his family indeed. I wanted to share some of my favorite Hank Aaron facts, right? Some stats, some stories, some things that really make your eyes pop out. He was a Hall of Fame class of 1982, voted in with Frank Robinson that year. He missed being a unanimous decision by nine votes. Second total vote, only Ty Cobb at the time. Hank Aaron's total home run number 
We know 755. It's actually 760. Negro League stats are being added to the record book this year. Aaron hit five for the Indianapolis Clowns as an 18-year-old and led the league with a 467 batting average. Whatever. No big deal. I was trying to find who he hit 755 off of, and I was... I was just scrolling for so long down the home run list of baseball reference. It's incredible. It was Dick Drago, by the way, of the California Angels. Hank was a 25-time All-Star. He made the team every season except his first and his last. He's the all-time RBI leader with 2,297. He's the all-time total bases leader with 6,856. The number two career total in total bases is Stan Musial. Stan finished with 6,134. The difference between the two is 722 total bases. That number, 722, equals 12.3 miles. That means Hank Aaron ran 12 miles longer around the bases in his career than the next highest total. He won an MVP. He had seven top three finishes, 13 top 10 finishes, and got MVP votes in 19 consecutive seasons. He won the 1957 World Series. He lost to the Yankees the next year. In Aaron's autobiography, he wrote that the Giants could have signed him. They could have had Mays and Aaron. But the Giants offered him $100 less a month than the Braves and spelled his name A-R-R-O-N on the offer. So he wasn't all that interested. MC Hammer, you know MC Hammer. That name is a Hank Aaron reference. Hank talked a lot about the last four or five days in between hitting 714 and 715. And as we close it out here on White Sox Weekly, I do have one more thing I want to play for you, and I want to take you back. It's April 8th, 1974 in Atlanta, Georgia. The Braves are hosting the Dodgers. It's early on in the season, just the fourth game of the year for both teams, and Henry Aaron is sitting on 714 home runs. he just reached the Babe a few nights before, on opening day, in fact, That day, Aaron got a 3-1 sinker down and away from right-hander Jack Billingham and drove it to left center for a three-run shot. On this night, the Atlanta crowd is buzzing with anticipation. You can hear them boo when Al Downing, the Dodgers starter, bounces his first pitch to Aaron in the dirt. I want to play for you the call by Vin Scully. We pick it up in the bottom of the fourth. Daryl Evans, the first batter of the inning, has just reached on an error by Dodgers shortstop Craig Robinson. The Braves, trailing 3-1, to one, are in business. Much more important, though, is that history is on its way. Here's Vin. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive in the deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. 
he threw his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass, threw her arms around his neck, kissed him for all she was worth. Vince Scully on the call during one of baseball's biggest moments. Aaron would talk later after he was done playing about how he hoped to be remembered. Well, I think that I want to be remembered as someone who was able to forget about baseball, play the game the way it's supposed to be played, but forget about baseball, but be able to to help mankind, help other people, you know, really, to, to, to do things that necessarily would help people that didn't have the ability or the know-how like I did, you know. So I want to be remembered as saying uh, not someone who hit 700 home runs or someone who had a 300 batting average, but someone who did a little bit more than this, that, you know, did some other things to help mankind. He certainly did. His Chasing the Dream Foundation still exists and is important for youth across the country, especially in Atlanta, Georgia. That does it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Thanks so much for listening. Pat Boyle, Brian Hanley are next with the hockey show. We've got Chris Chelios at 1030. This is ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. On the new home of the White Sox. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.